0: Well, hey, good morning, Sailorville Church. Thanks uh, so much for being here this morning. Jared mentioned the men's retreat. It was a really, really great Friday and Saturday for about 100 of our guys, doing lots of manly things, eating beef sticks, camping outside, hugging each other and crying, you know, all the manly... All the manly stuff. It was uh, really, really fun. I was reminded, actually, at the retreat that it was exactly seven years ago this weekend that uh, Meredith and I came out to candidate, and you folks, for some reason, voted to bring me on as discipleship pastor here at Sailorville. Seven years ago, exactly this weekend. And uh... (laughs) hey, I was a youth pastor, okay? So every youth pastor goes through a Justin Bieber phase, and... Apparently, I was still in that when I first met you folks. Um, Meredith hasn't changed a bit, though, honestly, but you can say there's something different, let's just say, about my hairline. Let's just leave it at that. And actually, you can't see it here, but for some reason, I was wearing bright red pants that weekend. I'm not sure why that was happening, but um, when Meredith and I first started dating, actually, she looked at my striped Shirt and my plaid pants and my checkered sweater vest all at the same time. And she said, You know, you are a really interesting dresser. (laughs) And I thought, That is the woman for me right there. In fact, a few months into our marriage, I was up early one morning. I was headed to a seminary class, and so Meredith was sleeping. And I got up and I got dressed and I got ready to go and I was about ready to walk out the door. I went back into the bedroom, leaned over our bed where she was sleeping. I gave her a kiss on the cheek and I said, honey, I'm headed to class. And she opened her eyes slowly and she kind of leaned up and she took one look at me and she said, you're not going to wear that, are you? (laughs) That was my life for a a little while. Here's what she was trying to teach me and really is still trying to teach me. You are what you wear. We've heard that phrase, right? You are what you wear. Your clothes communicate something about who you are. And that morning on my way out to seminary, what my outfit was apparently communicating was that I got dressed in the dark and I was not going to leave the house like that. (laughs) In today's passage, the Apostle Paul takes this everyday idea of choosing what to wear, and he's going to relate it to how to live as Christ followers. And what he's going to do is give us more than just a helpful analogy. In many ways, this passage that we're digging into this morning is sort of like a so so now what, right? It's like an application to chapters one through three. So you remember those chapters way back at the beginning of this series and Paul highlights in those chapters over and over to these new Christians who are reading this. They were Gentiles by birth but now that they are in Christ they have a new identity and that identity is that they are in Christ. It's not in what kind of family they were born into or what they did for a living or how much money they had in the bank, but their identity was in the very person of Jesus Christ. That as Christians, when God the Father looked at them, he saw his son, Jesus. Remember that amazing, long run-on sentence from chapter one? Remember that one? That was their identity in Christ. And so they got to share all of the benefits and the privileges of being in Christ's family, that new identity. And then Paul gets to chapter four and he reminds them of their unity. He says, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one, one, one. He's saying you may have come from all over the place, but now you are unified in God's family. You have an identity, a family, and you have unity. And so what does this look like when it comes to the way we live each day? And that's one of the things, by the way, that I love about reading the Bible. God hasn't just given us a book of rules and regulations, but practical and relevant counsel on how to live each day. And so in this passage, God is really, through Paul, beginning to answer this question of, okay, so now what? How do we as believers, as Christians, walk worthy of our new identity, our new family, and this new purpose that we have being in Christ? And to answer that question, Paul uses the illustration of clothing. He says, you are what you wear. And so he sets up this contrast between the kind of clothes that we used to wear before we knew Christ and the kind of clothes that we can choose to wear now that we're Christians. and So I'll show you how he does that, and then we'll step back and walk through the passage slowly together. So look at what he says in verse 22, of Ephesians chapter 4. Put off your old self. Put off your old self. Your old self is the old man, the one that didn't know Jesus as his or her Savior. The old self. And then look a line down or two at verse 24. He says, put on the new self. So put off your old self, put on the new self. Now let's kind of get a broader view of the whole passage, starting in verse 17. In the English Standard Version, we'll go down through verse 24. This is the word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, or eager to practice every kind of impurity. What a statement. But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, there it is, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt or rotten through deceitful desires. And here it is, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. What is that? Well, it's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is God's word to us this morning. And so Paul is forming this instruction around this idea of putting off the old and putting on the new. And he's trying to help us understand the massive contrast between the old self, which is another way of saying the person I used to be before salvation, and the new self, the person that I am now that I'm saved. And so the old self is you and me before Christ. The new self is me since Christ found me, sort of like these two jackets. The old self is this one. It's a sweatshirt that's been like, it's, this thing's seen a war. I mean, it's got frayed edges, It burned back here, I don't know what happened there. There's paint or oil or coffee or something on it. I mean, it looks terrible, and it doesn't smell great either. This is nasty, it's old, it's awful. And then this thing here, this is new and fresh. This looks nice. Paul says, this is what you want. You want to put off the old and put on the new. Our former way of living, the new way that we can choose to live. So, you get the illustration that Paul is building here. He's saying, You are what you wear. The old is worn out, it's dirty and nasty. The new is clean and nice and fresh. It's the unsaved and the saved, the lost and the found, the darkness and light, the old self and the new. So, if you are what you wear, how do you put off the old clothes and put on the new? So here we go. Let's look back at verse 17, and we'll trace this through the passage again. Now, this I say, Paul writes, and I testify in the Lord. By the way, not just my opinion, Paul says. This is a true testimony from the Lord. I'm in the Lord right now, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So Paul's answering this question. Now that I'm a Christian, how do I actually think and act? How should I live? And Paul's response is simple. It's what I want to tell people sometimes. Stop it. Stop it, he says. Stop living like the Gentiles do. It's actually a really strong statement. He's saying, don't ever walk like the Gentiles. Don't ever do that. And Paul's using this title Gentile here to refer to the way his readers used to live before they became Christians. See, they might still be Gentiles by birth, but now through the new birth, they've been born again into the Jesus way. And so Paul... As a new Christian, you might ask, how do I walk in a manner worthy of my new calling? Paul's answer is really simple. Stop walking like someone that doesn't know Jesus. Stop acting like an unsaved person. Stop telling people you're a Christian, but then acting like you're not. And Paul reminds them again of the way that they used to live when they were still lost. He paints this dark picture of the clothing that they used to wear. And he tells them, you don't have to wear that anymore. Put off those old nasty clothes. And this is how the Gentiles walk. This is how people that don't know Jesus live. This, Paul says, is the way that you used to think and behave and act before Christ found you and made you new. And it's a pretty sad and vivid picture. And there are four characteristics of the old self that Paul says to put off. So we're going to walk through this here together in this passage. Four pictures of the old self that Paul says, you got to put that off. That's not who you are anymore. All right, so let's look at the first one. In verse 17, he says, put off futility. Put off futility. In fact, he calls it futility of their minds. It's sort of a strange word, but this morning we're going to use Bible words if that's okay with you, right? He says, put off futility. It's the same word that's used 36 times in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And that's where it's translated vanity. Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, says vanity. Vanity, all is vanity. It comes from a Hebrew word meaning breath or vapor. It really refers to anything that's empty or frail or doesn't have any purpose, doesn't have any substance, really. And so Solomon had tried to find satisfaction and purpose through knowledge and through wealth and possessions and through the pleasures of music and art and women. He had huge houses. He had lands and beautiful landscaping, right? But none of it found, none of it brought fulfillment. Solomon didn't find fulfillment in any of that stuff. And at the end of it, Solomon says, I realize that even if you have all these things, all you do is live a few years and then you die. It's still futility, Gaining, gathering, owning, all that stuff its futility, striving after the wind. You're never going to catch anything like that. Our community group was sitting around our dining room table this last week, and we were talking about making a difference at work. You ever asked that question, am I really making a difference in my job? How sometimes it feels like we're just grinding away without any sense of real accomplishment. Like It's vanity. And we were reminding each other that as Christians, our real purpose in any kind of job or work or anything else that we do is, our real purpose is to point people to an eternity with Jesus. That has to be at the core of our existence. It's got to be our mission, our purpose, to live on mission for Jesus, to live on the move, looking for every opportunity to show Jesus to the people around us. That's got to be in our DNA somehow as Christians. Now listen, we can live to make money, to buy stuff, or to be comfortable, and actually even to help other people do the same things. Or maybe you say, I'm trying to make the world a better place. I want to try to find a cure for cancer. I'm trying to fight homelessness. I'm trying to help victims of abuse. I want to start a charity or teach children so that they can better their lives. And all of those things are good, right? And Christians should be doing those things. But unless those things are done with an eye on eternity, they're all vanity. If Jesus is the main story in our lives and in our church and we say that he is, then friends, we have to start and end every page of our story with him. If not, it really doesn't matter how much money you raise or how many wells you dig in Africa or whether you cure cancer or not. If you're not pointing people to Jesus, then it's all futility of the mind, Paul says. It's wasted thoughts on fleeting vapors. Paul's saying, don't live this way. In fact, he's saying you don't have to live this way. Don't live as though eternity isn't a reality. Don't live your life as though God doesn't exist. Don't live as if Jesus didn't die for your sins and spend three real days in a real grave as a real dead man and then was really resurrected gloriously and victoriously and has been taken up to heaven to prepare a place for those who love him. Folks, there is more to life than this life. You have to get that, right? It's part of the gospel. It's part of what makes us believers. That's part of why Jesus is better because he makes this true. Without him, this is not true. This is all there is. There's more to life than this life. And so here's a simple exercise you can do at home to help you point your thoughts and energies on eternity. It's really simple open up your day planner. Franklin Covey, does anybody use those? Erin Condren, is, she, is that the thing? Yeah, okay. Or your iPhone. And grab your schedule and ask. Look, look at your whole schedule. You've got events, appointments, to-dos, you've got meetings, parties, kid stuff, all that stuff. Just ask yourself when you look at your schedule, how can I see this opportunity as a way to point someone to Jesus? Look at every one of those entries in your calendar and say, how can I use this thing, this event, this appointment as an opportunity to point someone to Jesus? That's it. Just ask that question. And if you sit for a few minutes and you're looking at one specific appointment and you can't think of a way that you can do that in a way that can point people to Jesus, then you either have to change your motivation in being a part of that thing or here's an idea, don't do it anymore. People without Jesus live lives of futility in light of eternity. And if you're a Christian, put off futility and live like a Christian, Paul says, with mission, with purpose, with a goal to point people to Jesus. Take that old nasty life and put it off. Put off futility. That's the first characteristic of people that don't know Jesus, of the Gentiles, as Paul calls them. And now he says those who without Christ are darkened in their understanding darkened in their understanding. and So he tells us put off darkness in verse 18. When I was growing up, our family lived just a few hours from a huge system of underground caverns called the Kango Caves in South Africa. I used to love going there as a kid and I think my favorite part of the whole adventure every time was when the tour guide told the legend of how the caves were first discovered. I love this story. As the story goes, the, the, back in the, way back in the 1800s, early 1800s, there was a shepherd boy who was watching a herd of sheep for a local farmer. And one of the sheep uh, slipped down what looked like a hole in the ground. And so this young shepherd boy started poking around the hole and looking for the sheep, and, and then he slipped into that hole, which was actually a tunnel that led to this massive cavern. And I remember as a boy standing in the middle of that huge first chamber. I mean, it was massive, the size of a football field. I mean, this thing is massive. It's underground. The tour guide would tell the story of that first shepherd boy and how he fell into that cave, and he'd describe what it must have felt like for that boy to be in the middle of this giant underground cavern. And then the tour guide would turn off the lights, and it was
1: terrifying.
0: I have never been in darkness like that. Even now as an adult, I can't remember ever sensing any kind of darkness as dark as those days. It was so thick, it felt suffocating. So black, it was literally blinding. So disorienting that I can remember wanting to get on my hands and knees and just crawl so that I could feel something that I recognized. Darkness. I still remember, even though it was probably 30 years ago, I can remember that feeling of absolute relief when the lights went back on. And all of a sudden, I, could, I felt like I could breathe again. Because I could see. And I knew what was going on around me. Everything started to make sense again when the lights went on. Okay, now think back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, it plunged the human race into Spiritual darkness and disorientation. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. See, when sin came into this world, the lights turned off spiritually for all of us. But the gospel promises that it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to live in darkness anymore. We don't have to experience that suffocating spiritual darkness every single moment. Paul says, don't live that way. Don't walk around in darkness. Take off those dark clothes. Put them off. Or to put it positively in 1 John chapter 1, John says, walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Put off darkness, put on light. We get to choose that. I was pretty discouraged about something earlier this week, and I came to Meredith, and as I sometimes do, I vomited all of my frustration on her. Now, she's a counselor here on staff at our church, and so I enjoy giving her opportunities to practice. And I give her a lot of opportunities for professional development, let's say. And so there I was in that classic pose, laying on our couch. (laughs) And I was just lamenting the fact that I couldn't understand this particular problem and why I couldn't fix it. And I'm not sleeping at night and I'm feeling like I'm getting sick and I'm crabby and I don't want to be around people and I hate everybody. And I'm a pastor. But you feel like that sometimes, I know it, right? Hey, I can be a Christian too. Meredith grabbed a Bible and she handed it to me and she said, Hey honey, it's October 3rd, why don't you turn to Proverbs 3 for us? You know, Judah's sitting around there with us. And I'm thinking, babe, I need like real help here. (laughs) I'm trying to understand this thing and this is not really the time for family devotions. I want you to tell me what to do. Commiserate with me, right? But I open up the Bible and I start reading out loud and I quickly get to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Now, watch this. You, you know this verse, some of you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And there it was. Right? Of course, I knew the verse. You know the verse, some of you. But I've been acting as if I didn't know it. I've been trying to lean on my own understanding instead of trusting in the Lord. Watch this. I was living in darkness as if the light didn't exist. But Meredith said, keep reading, honey. And I do what she tells me to do. So in verse 7, I kept reading. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Isn't that good? Anybody need that? Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can choose to trust in the Lord. You can choose to turn away from evil. God will show you his direction for your life. You'll find that soul level healing and refreshment that for some reason just seems to constantly be out of reach. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to rely on your own understanding. You don't have to put on the old nasty sweatshirt every day. And here's something that for some reason I have to keep learning over and over and over again. God gives me things or he allows things into my life that I cannot understand or figure out or fix. And he does this so that I will learn to trust him to provide the answer. So this week when you're faced with frustration, my guess is it's going to happen. You can choose You can choose to do two things. Either try to be God and fix it yourself. Or just let God be God and he'll show you the direction that he wants you to go. You can choose. So people without Jesus live in constant darkness, crawling around in suffocating and disorienting sin. And if you are a child of God this morning, you don't have to live that way anymore. Walk in the light because Jesus is in The light, put off futility, put off darkness. And next Paul says, unbelievers, spiritual Gentiles, those who don't know Jesus, look at verse 18, they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They are alienated from the life of God. They're excluded from the kind of living that comes from being in the family of God. Do you know we have a word for without life? I bet you can guess it. It's death. Paul says, don't live like dead people. As Christians, we've been given an amazing gift. It's spiritual life that starts at salvation in our lives and lasts all the way through eternity. And so we're just using Bible words here. He says, put off deadness. Put off deadness. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is John 10.10, where Jesus, as the good shepherd, says, listen, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What a great picture of the devil. Steal and kill and destroy. If you think he's got your best in mind, oh my goodness. And what is he trying to steal and kill and destroy? Jesus says, I came that that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus, the good shepherd, says, he comes to steal, I come to give. He comes to kill, I come to breathe life. He comes to destroy, I come to build up. Life abundant, overflowing. See, becoming a Christian isn't a matter of behavior modification, although your behavior will change when your beliefs change. Becoming a Christian is really all about receiving new life from God. As Jesus said in John 3:16, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Oh my goodness, that's good stuff. Remember, Christ follower, Paul says in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in, what you, in which you once walked. Listen, you were once dead in your trespasses and sin. This was all you had to choose from. But that's past tense. You were once dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Walked. That was then. But God, now you are different you were once dead, lifeless. Even the good things that you did were like worthless, filthy rags, like a nasty old sweatshirt. But God, and now you're alive in him, identified by him and given all the rights and privileges of being in his family. And when we harden our heart to the truth or when we turn away from people who are trying to help us be more like Jesus, when we know what's right, but we choose to do what's wrong anyway, it's as if we're putting those grave clothes back on and walking around living like a dead person. So here's one way to figure out how you're doing with this in the next few days, right? We have to apply this. Think back to the last time that you read something in your personal time with God in the Bible, or you heard something preached on a Sunday morning maybe, or maybe you had a conversation in your community group, some kind of spiritual truth that you learned. Now ask yourself this question. When was the last time I learned something that I needed to change And instead of hardening my heart and ignoring the truth, I began to grow in that area. Putting it simply, it's like this When was the last time I knew I needed to change and changed? People that are dead are alienated from the life of God. People that are alive are growing to be more like Jesus. Which one are you? Put off futility, put off darkness put off deadness. And finally, in this description of the Gentile way of life, Paul says in verse 19, they've become callous and they've given themselves up or given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of... Of impurity. If you want to live in a way that's consistent with your calling as a Christian, you need to put off callousness, Paul says in verse 19. And here's what he's getting at. Those who don't follow Jesus are callous to sin. They've become so used to it that they don't even feel it anymore. Meredith and I bought a treadmill about a year ago. <laughs> I haven't even... Told the story yet. (laughs) You know, buying a treadmill or other like exercise equipment and putting it in your basement, that's a sign that you're really adulting, okay? (laughs) So I started running on this thing with an old pair of shoes and I was feeling really good about myself until I started getting blisters on my toes. And this is gross, right? But stick with me. I tried everything to get rid of those blisters. I had band-aids, moleskin, Meredith's going to Sam's Club and buying me like a pallet of moleskin. I used different insoles for my shoes. I learned this in college. I slathered Vaseline all over the ends of my feet before I put my socks on. That was supposed to help, it didn't. I even soaked those babies in hot water with Epsom salt before I ran. I was trying everything to get rid of those blisters because they caused me so much pain every time I took a step. But you know what happened? Over time, the blisters started going away, and they were replaced by skin that was a little harder. It was tougher because my feet had developed calluses in those spots where there was once pain, catch this, there was now numbness. Where I once, felt, where I once had sensitivity, now I felt nothing. Nothing. Now, that's awesome if you're a runner, but if you're a Christian and you've stopped feeling the pain of sin in your life, then you've let that sin hang around way too long. Let me put it another way. The longer you're a follower of Jesus, the more sensitive you should be to your own sin. Now, I said your own sin, okay? Some of us, the longer we know Jesus, the more sensitive we are to other people's sin. That's not this. King David great example of this. After committing adultery with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he cries out, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. See how he's sensitive to his sin there? And my sin is always before you. Against you, against you and you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. See, David Understood the power of confession. And if we're not constantly confessing sin to the Lord and to others around us, it won't be long before we start to develop calluses. And soon our sin will seem to hurt less and less and less, and before long we won't feel a thing. And then we're one click away from all kinds of what Paul calls sensuality and impurity and other evil, just like he tells the Ephesians. And so this week, now watch this, this is tough. But if you really want to dig into this, if you want to get after this in your own life, you've got to find somebody that knows you well. Maybe a spouse or an older child that lives with you or somebody in your community group. Here's the deal. Somebody that's going to love you enough to tell you the truth, right? You ask them this question. Do you see any areas of my life where I've become more and more callous to sin? Are there things that used to bother me that don't seem to bother me anymore? Are there areas that my sensitivity to the conviction of the Holy Spirit has diminished in the time that you've known me? That's great lunch conversation for this afternoon, by the way. It sounds crazy, but if you don't define your sin, you'll never defeat your sin. So get deep and get specific and get busy confessing because that's what Christ followers do. So put off futility, put off darkness, put off deadness, put off callousness. Those are four ways that the Gentiles walk. That's how unsaved people live. That's how you used to think. That's how you used to believe. That's how you used to act. And on the other hand, this is how God sees you as a Christian. This is it right here. It's clean and it's fresh and it looks brand new. We've been made new at salvation. And so he says, put this off and put this thing on. We still have to choose this though. Every day. And that's what it means to be more like Jesus. It's the moment by moment choosing to put off the old nasty grave clothes and putting on the new. So Paul says, Choose the new. Look at verse 24. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And we get just a tiny little taste of that in this passage. This is what the new self looks like in verse 24. But we're going to unpack this a whole lot more next week because that's where Paul's going for the rest of this section. So he says, you are what you wear. You are what you wear. And so are you waking up each day and heading into your spiritual closet and looking at all the options and falling back into these old grave clothes? Listen, let me tell you something about my life. This feels good. When I get home after work, I want to put on an old, worn-out sweatshirt. When I'm lonely, when I'm bored, when I'm frustrated, I want something that feels good. And sometimes the darkness feels good. Sometimes the futility feels better. Sometimes the way I used to be is my default. But this brings life. This is eternity with Jesus. And so when you're looking at your options in the morning, you can choose to put this on. It feels good, but it's not good. The thief, the devil comes as a thief to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's where this will get you. Put off the old, put on the new, and come back next week to figure out what the new looks like, because that's where we're going to end this morning. Lord, thank you. It's vivid. It's sad. And maybe it's a little discouraging to think that that's where we used to be. Maybe, Lord, we have those feelings coming to the end of this passage because that's where we are right now. And you've said we don't have to be there, you've sent Jesus to be our new identity. So that we can be in his family, so that we can be unified with him and with each other. And Lord, we can say no to sin. We can say no to the old self. We can choose the new. That used to be me, but it doesn't have to be me anymore. And at Salvation, you gave us a brand new wardrobe full of fresh, new clothes, And yet every day we still need to choose the new. Help us to put off the old and put on the new. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.